Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Terran Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's makes quality blades that shave my face real good. It's also kind of funny because it's like their name is Harry's and like you shave hair. Yeah, I don't know if you caught that, but I definitely did a long time ago. And Harry's is so confident that you're going to love their blades. They're going to give you a free trial set. When you sign up at harrys.com slash Taryn, all you have to do is pay for shipping. So claim that free trial offer right now. It's $13 value for free when you sign up. You're going to get a weighted ergonomic razor handle with the five precision engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, travel blade cover, all of that free trial goodness. And you get to, to try it for free. Just go to harrys.com slash Taryn right now. Seriously, right now. Like, like pause you don't even have to pause but you can if you want to if it's hard to like type in addresses and like read and you know take free trial offers while listening to somebody talk you can you can pause but you don't have to pause i probably wouldn't i'd probably just keep listening and i'd go to harrys.com slash taryn right now and do it Of his social life. It's the Taryn Show. The Taryn Show. Don't ask if he's single, you already know. Cause it's the Taryn Show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Taryn Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Taryn Show. Guys. Uh, this is gonna be a good one, right? I, I I finally got this guy. I've been I've been waiting to talk to him. I know I say that a lot, but like this is a this is a big deal. I've got Andy Heron with me today uh, from Big Brother, winner of Big Brother 15. How you doing, Andy? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you finally locked me down. I know I've been like hard to get, like hard to get these past few weeks. I'm glad to finally be here. Yes. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Like usually when I reach out to somebody and they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. And then they don't, then like, it doesn't work out. It's like, they just disappear off the map. Right. But like you just kept, kept responding to me like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Let's reschedule. No, I would disappear for like a week and then I'd be like, oh, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Please like, forgive me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out. And, uh, and here we are. Right. Um, so, uh. Well, just the holidays. I think it kept slipping oh, my yeah. mind. I was like home for a while and then like doing things for New Year's. It just like kept slipping my mind, which my apologies for. Oh no, it's, it's totally understandable that it happened to me too. Like, uh, I was, there were like like multiple phone calls I was supposed to make. And then it's like, right. wait, that was supposed to happen. Is that still happening? I don't, I don't know. I don't even know anymore. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it happens. Um, Andy, winner of Big Brother 15. Uh, you are a professor. Yeah, okay. Yes. And no, I mean, yes. Like I could still go back to it if I ever wanted to, but right now I'm taking some time away from it to cultivate like a dog walking business that I oh. like. So basically on my days off from teaching, like uh, maybe like a year and a half ago, I started like walking my friend's dog and then, like, because I would work, like, I would teach, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I would have Tuesday, Thursday off. And so just for, like, a little extra, like, thing, like just, like, even to kill time, just, like, something to do, I would, like, walk my friend's dog. He, like, paid me to do it. And then he recommended me to a few other friends, and so I started walking some other dogs. And then it just started to kind of blow up. Like, word of mouth, started, I just started to get more and more clients. And so I just really wanted to see. I was getting a little bit, like, I guess when I feel a little bit stagnant in something, I like to like make a change, which I know is probably not the best for like long-term career prospects because I just jump around from thing to thing. But I was like, I've been teaching for six years. I'm a little bit bored with it. And I, I mean, I liked it, but I just wanted to try something else. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to like put my feet out there and see if I can like actually turn this dog walking thing into something. And it's good, like having, I mean, having like my big brother money cushion under me is nice because like I can just quit my job and try something else. Right. 
Um, but it is like blowing up. And two of my best friends go, went to law school in Chicago and they've actually put me in touch with like professors from their law school to actually turn it into like right now I'm in like the beginning processes of like it's big enough where I'm turning it into like I'm getting like licensed and bonded and insured. Wow. And then tr- turning it into like an actual business. Wow. I, I was not expecting that. I love it. And I'm making I'm making like more money than I was making when I was teaching. It keeps me busy all day. And like I am definitely like the truest like definition of an ambivert. I'm, I love I'm an extrovert for sure. Like if you had to pick extrovert or introvert, I'm clearly an extrovert. But I'm an only child and I, my entire life I've really valued my alone time and I need like time by myself just to like re-energize. And so this is great because I'm just, I mean, from like 9.30 until five every day, I'm just out and about walking dogs, like listening to podcasts, listening to music and just like being alone with my thoughts on these dogs. And I feel like it's like, that it gives me that time that I need just to like be by myself, you know? Yeah, that's, that, that sounds cool. Uh, so is it, is, it, is it still just you right now? Like, do you plan on... Uh... It is just me right now, but I, I basically cannot take on any more clients at the moment. And that's why I'm looking into like actually turning it into like a real thing and expanding it. Because like... It has actually turned into more than I can like chew right now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, do you have like a name for it? No, and I got that's what we're working on. I, like, <laughs> I have not thought of anything yet, but um, I like I, my creative juices are flowing right now. Just as like I said, we're actually working on turning it into something. So I need to think of something soon, but I have not yet. Isn't it cold? Don't you have problems? It's, uh, right now, today it was warmer than it's been and it was about 10 degrees. Uh, it's been like three. It was like three yesterday. It's been like in the like negatives. It's, we've had a... It, it is uncharacteristically cold in Chicago right now. Isn't that a, isn't that a problem when you're a dog walker? See, I bundle up. I just, <laughs> everyone's been asking me that. I mean, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I just wear a bunch of layers and I'm fine. And the, I mean, the thing is, I feel like in the summer, I'll, like, I'll take the dogs on like a long walk outside and tire them out. In the winter, I feel like the dogs, just as much as me, don't want to be outside. <laughs> At least a lot of them don't. And so what I'll do is I'll talk to their owners and just be like, hey, is it cool if I like take them out to go to the bathroom and then I'll bring them inside and I'll play with them for like that 20 minutes that I would like have them on a walk, you know? And everyone's usually cool with that because they know they're like, oh yeah, like no human or dog wants to be outside in six degree weather for a half an hour, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it it's it's blizzarding out at the moment in Boston. Yeah. So. Oh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> How is that going? It's pretty crazy. That's uh, I put up a ruler like next to the glass, one of the glass doors I have. And it's like, yeah. it's like well above a foot and a half at this point. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so. wow. Like we have truly not had a genuine, like crazy, crazy, crazy snow. Like we call it a snowpocalypse. Like three years ago, we had one in 2014 yep. or no, so it would have been almost four years ago. And I just like, I vividly remember it because like it had to do kind of with my big brother experience. Ian Terry was in town and he was staying at Matt Hoffman's place. And Matt Hoffman doesn't live in the the actual city of Chicago. He lives in the suburbs. And so Helen and I, who Helen lived in the city, so did I. And we both wanted to go see Ian. And so I just remember Helen was just like, hey, like, we'll like, I will drive us out there to see Ian. And I was like, oh, perfect. And so I wake up and we just have 9,000 inches of snow. And I was like, oh, we're for sure not going to go anymore. And Helen being Helen is just like, you know what? We're going still. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we get in the car and Helen is just remaining like incredibly optimistic about everything. And I am not, and I'm like very nervous. Like, and so there were two moments that were just so perfectly Helen. Like we're on the tollway. We are pulling up to a toll booth. Like, we, yeah, like we're pulling up to like a toll booth to pay. And our, like, the wind, like the windshield is, is completely covered in snow, even though like the windshield wipers are going. And Helen's like, oh, I'm going to dump a bottle of water on the windshield to like get the snow to go away. And I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, if you do that, it's going to freeze immediately on the windshield. Like you can't do that. And so she's like, no, it'll be fine. And so she dumps water on the windshield and she's just like, <laughs> and just like freezes to the windshield. So then she has to get her scraper out and she's like scraping it and their car's like honking at us. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, oh my God. And so we finally make it to Elgin where Matt lives. And basically we're, we literally at one point, like, cause we're in like a residential suburban neighborhood, like streets are not plowed. We do like a full donut at one point And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like I'm going to die in this car with Helen without a doubt. Uh, we make it to Matt's and Helen stays for about 30 minutes. And then she's like, I have to go back. Like I have like, I have to pick up my kids. Like it's going to take me two hours to get back. 
And so I was like, I guess I'll stay. Like, and so I then stayed for like another three or four hours and I went to the train station and got stranded at the train station to the point where one of my roommates, the trains like stopped running because the snow was so bad. One of my roommates had to come in and like rescue me from the suburbs. It was a insane day, <laughs> but that was like one of the only like horrifying Chicago winter experiences I've had in the last like three, four years. Yeah, I, I think the, I think... I think Boston also called that year the snow snowpocalypse. Uh, that, right. was a, that was a crazy winter. The only time I've ever been to Boston, uh, you guys were experiencing, like, so my two best gay friends live there. And then like another really good friend was there at the time. And they were all like, you have to come experience Boston in the fall. It's beautiful. It come in October. And so I went for five days and Boston was experiencing a nor'easter. And so it just like torrentially downpoured every single day that I was there and it sucked. Um, but I feel like I like still suckered it up and I got to see like some of the city, but it was like a bummer that that's how I got to experience Boston. Yeah, I, I grew up in Maine and I feel like like I re- when you're telling the story about like driving in the snow and everything, like I remember when I was in high school, I it was like, oh, it's so cool. We'll go out in the snow. Like I have fond right. memories of like exploring in the snow and like, oh, the car got stuck. Cool. Uh, right. <laughs> but now it sounds like an absolute nightmare. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like rectifying that in my mind. Right. Um, so uh, so did you did you grow up in Chicago? I did. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. I grew up in Aurora, uh, which is like 45 minutes west of the city, an hour west of the city. I feel like it is basically the furthest, the furthest Chicago suburb that you can, that still is considered a suburb. I feel like once you're past Aurora, you're like in the country. And so I was there like born and raised. My parents still live in the house that I grew up in. And then I went to college at the university of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in central Illinois. And I did four years of undergrad and two years of grad school there. And then I moved to Chicago after that. Like I moved to the actual city right after that. Had you always planned on being a professor or was there something else that you'd wanted to do? No. So basically I, uh, I majored in like media and film. My major was called media studies. And I just, so basically I feel like the, like no offense to this major, but I feel like it prepared me to be like a server at a restaurant because yeah. there was nothing I could really do with it. And no offense to servers at restaurants either, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so I basically, it was my senior year and I like, but I was also a very good student. Like I took school very seriously. I always got like straight A's. Well, at least like in college, when I was in high school and I had to take math, I did not get straight A's because I'm bad at math. But in college, I took it very seriously. And I took some communication class. Like I was in what's called the College of Media. And then I took some classes in the College of Communication. And two of my professors when I was a senior were like, hey, we really think you would be a good fit for the graduate program, for the, like, the master's program in communication, if you would consider it. And I was like, oh, like, tell me about it. I, I literally have no plans for what I'm going to do when I graduate because I've not planned that far. And they were like, oh, well, basically, if you get in, you're made a teaching assistant, which by teaching assistant, I mean, you're the only person teaching the class. But it was for like, is, uh, essentially communication 101 public speaking. And so they're like, you'll do that. And then basically, as long as you do that, you get a stipend. So you get paid to do it and you get your tuition for free. And I was like, oh, so I was like, so basically, I could get my master's degree for free and get essentially get paid to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I want to do. And so I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. And so I think like literally like a week later, I, I had like Jerry prep books at my apartment. I was like prepping for the Jerry, getting ready for it. Cause it was like, a, it was like a competitive program to get into. And so I was like, well, I don't have any prospects. This sounds amazing. I want to do it. And then got in and stayed for two extra years and did that. And then, so basically while I was doing that, you could get paid in one of two ways to be like to teach essentially, or to be a research assistant. And so after my, so everyone starts their first semester being a teaching assistant. No one does any research yet. And then if a professor like latches onto you or likes you or thinks you're like, a, like you'd be good researching with them, they'll ask you to research. And so I loved teaching so much that one of my professors asked me to be a research assistant. And I like turned him down. Like I was like, no, I don't really want to do it. I like teaching too much. And he was like, oh, well, 
this is kind of like a big deal. You shouldn't turn this down. And so I worked out a deal where you, you we taught, like you get, you teach two sections every semester and that's how you got paid. I taught one section and then I did like half the research I would normally have done just to like kind of dip my feet into each one. And I hated research. Mm-hmm. And so I realized pretty quickly that like I wanted to go the teaching route. I just missed like, I, even only having one class instead of two, I just missed having two classes. And so I taught for the rest of my time there. And then as soon as I was done, I applied to colleges in and around Chicago and was hired at one in the suburbs. And so I, it was actually a bitch of a commute. I commuted like two hours each way every day Oh my! Um, when I was in the suburbs. But I, they would only schedule me yet again, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. And then after a few years of that, I got hired at a college downtown Chicago and was doing both schools. And that's essentially what I was doing when I went on Big Brother. And then I went back to them after I was on Big Brother as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, uh, I feel like so many of the people I have on this podcast, they're like, yeah, I had a goal from when I was a kid and I've just been working toward that goal my whole oh, life. Oh, no, I had no idea. Like, right. No, I was always a motivated kid. Like I was like, I was like an Illinois Allstate bassoonist. Like I took that yeah. very seriously. I was like, I was like a, a student council class officer every year of my, like my four years of high school. You know, I was like, if I could ever be in a position of leadership, I wanted to be. But then I really like when it came to like an actual like career or job prospects, like I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I remember applying to colleges. I knew I wanted to go to a big 10. And so I, I applied to like, well, I like, I applied to basically like Michigan, Wisconsin, like Illinois, you know, like all the big tens. And my parents were like, oh, so do you know what you want to do? Like, if, like, if you want to go to like, like Wisconsin's amazing journalism program, then like, great. But like, you have no idea what you want to do. Right. And I was like, no, pretty much. And so they were like, oh, you're, you're going to go to Illinois. Like that's way cheaper. And like, you're, you're aimless right now. Like go to a school that's a lot less money and you can like figure out what to do there. And I was like, okay, that's, that's smart. And I actually love my time at Illinois. So. Yeah, I well, I feel like uh, like I bought into this whole idea of like, oh, you're so smart, you can do whatever you want, like just anything you want to do. Like I bought into that too right. much, so there were like way too many options. I was like, I could be like right. a movie director, a psychologist, uh, like a singer. Like I was like way all oh, over the map. No, same, same. <laughs> I like I, for a while I was thinking I wanted to apply to film school, and I was just like, you have no experience at all when you're doing this. What are you thinking? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean that's that's basically <laughs> what I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like I started so I started undergrad in psychology and then I hated that and so I moved over to advertising, hated that, and then I moved into media and like it was interesting. I feel like advertising so advertising and my major which is media studies were in the same college and so it was easy to switch over, but like in all of my advertising classes, I felt like people in the classes were the type of people who like just wanted the answer. Like they didn't want to, they didn't care how they got there. They wanted the answer. They wanted to be able to like regurgitate the answer for a test and they didn't care about actually learning. Mm-hmm. Whereas in my media classes, it was a lot more like discussion based and like you would like really flesh ideas out and like really talk about them. And I like that so much more. And it's interesting because I feel like the advertising kids, like once they graduated, they had a degree where it's like, oh, you could like actually do something with this, even though I felt like that my classes were much less stimulating. Whereas like my media classes, we all graduated and everybody was just like, oh, what, what am I supposed to do? Even though I feel like it was like smarter people who like wanted to learn more, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I yeah I, I get that it that's that's sort of how it always felt like with school where it was like anything that was tangible felt boring but it right. but it obviously like leads to much like uh, right. these big careers with money and and stuff right well and don't get me wrong like in classes that like, I had to take I was all about just getting the right answer like I remember I took a class it was like a required like gen ed it was like a nutrition class. And every week we had like a quiz we had to take online. And after our first exam, I realized that all of our exam questions were just old quiz questions, like literally not even changed at all. And so I told all my, I took it with like 10 friends and I was like, oh, you all realize that every question on the test is just old quiz questions. So before tests, we like stopped going to class. I shouldn't say we stopped going to class. We stopped paying attention in class. We stopped ever reading the book. And then before tests, I would literally just memorize old quiz questions and go in. And like, I think the teacher had to have known something was up because we would go in and we would just like 
it would be like a 70 question exam and we would be done in eight minutes. Yeah. And like the teacher's just like, what? Like, like this is <laughs> Yeah. Because like I said, I would just know, like, oh, like if the question started off with like if seven apples, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, oh, the answer's nine. Like, I would, like, know immediately. Like, I wouldn't have to read the question. I was like, oh, like I know this. That's the it best. was just, like, a class where I thing. So, there, that's my great. Although, I actually feel like I got a great education at U of I. There were, there were very few classes like that that I did that in. Yeah. But I think like in any college experience, you're going to have something like that. Yeah, well, that's that's how I always felt like uh, like when in college they allowed us to use like laptops, and that was the first time I was able to right. use a laptop in class. And like for the classes that were actually either interesting or like you know discussion based or whatever, uh, like I'd use them to take down notes, and it would be very great. And I right. lo- I loved it because I hated handwriting notes. But then in the in the classes where it was just like I don't need to pay attention, like I can just do well on the tests, and that will be fine. Uh, I just like I'd play Snake on my computer. Like, oh, right, <laughs> like right. I never paid attention. Right. No, I'm like I'm a little bit older than you, and I feel like I was like right in the transition of all that. Like I feel like when I was like a freshman in college, no one really had a computer in class yet, and then by senior year, everyone did. Mm-hmm. But I remember like my sophomore year, so I had to handwrite everything. But even when I was bored, I would just handwrite nonsense. Like I remember I was in a discussion class where our TA was just the world's worst TA and had no idea what he was doing. And so one day I just wrote out the entire lyrics to the song, my humps by the blackout by the black eyed peas. <laughs> and it took up three pages of notebook paper. Like one of my friends was like, what are you doing? And I was just like, I just wrote out every word to my humps and look how fucking long this song is. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Let's just create, this is crazy to me. Like, like thinking about when I was a kid and how like the most mundane things I'd turn into something that was like more interesting to me, but like now either because I'm older or because we're more technical, technologically advanced, right. like that just seemed incredibly boring to me. Like, right. so it's like, it's like the thought of only having a paper, a paper and a pencil is like, Oh my God, what would I do? Right. But like back right. then it was like, I'll, I'll color in some oh, yeah. weird thing or write some yep. weird story. I don't know. So I- at one point, I started ranking my friends. Like I would like, <laughs> like make a list. I would like number rank my friends, and it became like a thing. Like people would be like, "Where am I?" Because it would change. Like every once in a while, if I was bored in class, I would do it. Other times, like I feel like it's such a horrible thing to do, but like everyone would want, would, would want to know like what their rank was. So I would do things like that. Although I've always, my entire life, been a crazy list maker. Like even when I was a kid, like I used to be obsessed with The Simpsons when I was a little kid, and I would look in our TV guide and like see like what episode was going to be playing because it would like list the episodes. And then I had like VCR tapes, like the Simpsons season one, season two, season three. And like, if it was an episode that was from season two, I would get that tape out and like put it on that tape. And then I would have like lists of, I would be like my top 10 season two favorite Simpsons episodes, like things like that. I was doing that when I was like 10, yeah. you know? We're, we're, we're such kindred spirits. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that, I mean, that's like, that's my, like my life now. Uh, it's right. I'm much more organized now because I've got websites. Um, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, I, I would rank everything like songs, yep, everything. shows, movies. Um, I, I didn't get around to people. Uh, but I, I do regret <laughs> I that because I think that would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it's just, but I do, do you kind of feel like it's in your blood like I feel like I was just like born wanting to do it like it's just like I like ranking things I've always liked it from being a little kid you know yeah I don't I don't know what like where it comes from like uh there's just, like, it creates a deep pleasure in me to yeah. like put it all down rank it uh you know check me things too. off yeah. like I uh, watched that one uh yeah it, right. I, I swear sometimes I'm just watching things to be able to be like yep watched it yeah <laughs> no, I so basically you I told you I go to like I go to the movies all the time and I, I save all of my ticket stubs and so I've got a stack in my room that's like this like of my ticket stubs from Chicago 
and I'm so crazily like anal about it. I remember the like if if for some reason I don't have a ticket stub, I will make I will like fix it. I will like fix the problem. So for example, I like vividly remember last year, my best friend and his girlfriend bought my ticket to go see Power Rangers. Like we were going to see going to go see Power Rangers together, and they bought the tickets online, and so there was no like physical ticket. Mm-hmm. And so when I came home, I was like an- anxious, like during the movie, because I was like, I hate that I don't have a ticket stub. When I came home, I, I took a piece of paper and literally just wrote Power Rangers <laughs> on it, and, like the date, and like put it like with my ticket stub so that I knew like what day I went and saw it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I uh, like, I, I'm very much like if uh, if IMDb or the, the movie data, whatever it is, if they don't have the movie listed, I am the person that will go in and put like input the data. Like, no, this is the movie. I have to have it in here just so I can have it right. ranked and, and everything. Right. Um, and I actually, I recently, I recently went from IMDb, I, I migrated from IMDb because screw them. They got rid of right. the message boards. They got rid of the user reviews. Oh, really? Uh, they don't even have reviews anymore. Now it's just the rating. Oh. Okay. So it's, and, and like, you can't sort your ratings by anything anymore. Uh, so it was like, I got to get out of here before they ruin okay. everything because this is my life. Uh, and I right. spent days just because <laughs> they have like an export option and so I, I exported it and I tried to import it into this other site but then it didn't work it said I watched all of the movies on the same day and I was like oh, well that's okay. not right so I went back and manually over 2,000 <laughs> entries <laughs> sometimes oh by memory because IMDB didn't track them all correctly uh, right. but most of them I just I, man- I manually changed all- so now now it's, it looks nice this site is way better it's tra- tracked.tv I like it a lot um, okay Uh, nice nice stats and everything i like i love i love that like i feel like when i was in high school and college like one of my like bar tricks that i had was i like i have like a very very weird mind where like i cannot do basic math like i said earlier but i can remember insanely specific dates of things like i knew pretty much verbatim or like i i knew the the theatrical and dvd release date of any movie released since like 1999 and people at a bar would like be like okay so Mean Girls, and I'd be like, "Oh, April twenty eighth, two thousand four. And like, they would be like, they would like look it up and be like, "Oh my god, like, oh my god." <laughs> and like, and like I like I had it, but I feel like over the years I've been losing it just because like I don't cultivate like my DVDs like I used to, and I mm-hmm. watch a lot more like streaming stuff now. But like for I would say probably for like eight years, p- people thought I was like some sort of like weird savant because I could do that, <laughs> and like it was like my like like my claim to fame. I feel like in cl- like if my friends were ever bored in class, they would like send me a note like if I didn't have a computer, and they would like just have a movie on it. I would write back like the date and I would give it to them and they would go home and look it up and be like, Oh my God, like you were right. You got the, you got the, you got the DVD release date. Like you got the DVD release date of legally blonde too. Right. Somehow. Like who knows that? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I, I feel like I used to have a lot more of it in my head. Uh, and like that always used to impress people in high school, but like now it's just right. like, I've offloaded it all onto right. the website. Right. So it's like, it, like it, you can ask me like, what's your favorite, uh, you know, Western. And I'll be like, let me just sort by Western. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I love it. It's great. Um, so, you, I mean, you, you said you, you go to the movies a lot. You were telling me uh-huh. this earlier. Um, yeah. And so I was telling you about like this, this great new thing, the movie pass, uh, $10 yeah. a month. And you're like, tell, let me tell you about the oh. movie pass. <laughs> no, like, like I said earlier, but like before we started, like before we went public, I like have saved like $4,500 over the course of three years by having movie pass. It is insane. I feel like it is, I, I honestly think it is the best money saving thing that has ever happened to me. And like to the point where I feel like I irritate my friends because they're like, oh, like we're going to this theater at seven to see this movie. And I'm like, oh, that theater's not part of movie pass. I'm not going. And they're like, really? Like, cause I feel like I'm so, like, 
I like, I have a lot, like, I, well, I, I have money. I'm not like strapped for money, but I still feel like I'm throwing money away when mm. I go to a theater that's not part of MoviePass. I'm like, me. why would I go to this theater when I could go for free to a theater that's part of MoviePass? I'm for sure going to do that. And I, like I said, I just read MoviePass for everything that it's worth. I probably see 12 movies a month in the theater. And the good thing about it is, even if I see a movie that sucks, like I recently went and saw Downsizing and I hated it. And I was like, but it was over and I was like, oh, I don't care. I have MoviePass. That movie essentially cost me like 80 cents, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Uh, and for those that don't know, uh, MoviePass is a, a subscription yeah. service. You can, uh, it's now, it used to be a lot more, but it's now $10 a month. Uh, and you can go and see as many movies as you want. One per day. Uh, one per day, yeah. The, basically, one per day, no 3D, mm-hmm. uh, no repeat movies. And don't, don't check in. Okay, so this is like kind of a complex story. So follow along with me here. It's, it's about why I got kicked off of MoviePass one. <laughs> um, my friends and I all, so I have like a group of friends. We, we call ourselves a movie club. There are like 30 of us in it. And we'll like try to like set up big gatherings to go to movies together. And so we all went to go see the killing of a sacred deer, like the Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman movie. Mm-hmm. And basically we, 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 we go, the movie was, first, was supposed to start at seven o'clock and it's like seven 30 and like no movie is on the screen. And I have already like on movie pass, you have to check in at the theater and buy your ticket after you've checked in. And so that like movie pass logs in that you've checked in and like, you can never check in for that movie again. And so I checked in and like bought my ticket and then like a worker comes into the theater and he's like, Hey everyone, I'm really sorry. We're having technical difficulties. And the movie is not going to play tonight. We're sorry. We'll give you like a voucher to come in like another time. And so I like still wanted to see that movie. And so like two weeks later, I like go to the theater and I forget my voucher at home. Cause I was just going to use the voucher they gave me. I was like, that's fine. But I forgot my voucher. And so I get to the theater and I was like, Oh, um, I'm just going to check in for like jigsaw and I'll go in, and I'll buy like, I'll like check in on movie pass for jigsaw and then I'll buy my ticket for the killing of a sacred deer. They'll never know. So I check in for Jigsaw. I buy my ticket for The Killing of a Sacred Deer because I'm like crazy anal and I want like a record of every movie that I've seen. <laughs> I should have just bought a stupid ticket for Jigsaw. But I, I buy a ticket for The Killing of a Sacred Deer after checking in for Jigsaw. And then the next time I try to go to a movie, my movie pass doesn't work. And so I'm just like, oh no, like I, I have messed up somehow. And so I like contact MoviePass and they were like, oh, they basically essentially said like, we caught you like trying to scam us. Like you like bought it, you like checked in for one movie and went to another. And so they kicked me off. And so I was like talking to the representative or like, I was like messaging with the representative and I was like, you do realize I'm just going to create a new email address and just get it right back. Right. Like, <laughs> so I just like created a new Gmail and get MoviePass again in a week and it wasn't a big deal, but yeah, until their investigators listen to this podcast and track your until new email. Yeah. <laughs> no, but then I'll just be like, they, they, can't, they contact me again, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to get an email address <laughs> again, so I'm never going to stop doing this. <laughs> you can't stop me from seeing movies. Um, right. So, uh, how, like, what, what do you think is, like, uh, what's, a, what's a good movie you've watched recently? Ooh, okay, so I've just been compiling my favorites of the year list, and hands down, far and away, my number one of the year is Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like, uh, do you know what it's about? Like, have you heard of it? No. Okay. So it is a, like, it takes place in 1983 in Northern Italy. And it's this like American family, like a husband and wife who are both professors and their 17 year old son are there for the summer and like their vacation home. And the parents, since the professors have a grad student come and stay with them for the summer to do research. And it's this 24 year old guy and the 24 year old and the 17 year old have like a summer romance and fall in love. And then basically it's just kind of like a story. It's like a love story essentially, but it's just very, very, very beautifully told. And like, just like meticulously edited and crafted. I loved it so much. I went with like, I went with my movie club friends again and everybody just adored it. It's getting like a lot of buzz for like one of the actors is like probably going to win the best actor Oscar. It's like in a lot of buzz for best picture as well. It is just a beautiful, fantastic movie. It is my favorite. It's my, by far my favorite of the year. It's maybe in my top like 10, 20 favorite movies of all time. I've seen it twice. I'm probably going to go see it again. 
Wow. It's just an awesome movie. Another great one that's out right now is Lady Bird. Yes, I saw um, that one. Yeah, uh, I love, love, love that one. It's just such a good coming-of-age story. I think Laurie Metcalf is, like, probably going to win the Best Supporting Actress Oscar, and I think that she should because I thought she was so freaking good. Um, other good movies that are out right now, uh, I mean, if you're in the mood for, like, a big, stupid, dumb musical and you just turn your brain off, The Greatest Showman I thought was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah? I, um, I was thinking about seeing that, but wasn't no, sure. No, it's like, you go into it, and I feel like you immediately realize, oh, like, because I went in being like, oh, it's like a biopic about P.T. Barnum. And then within like 10 minutes, I was like, oh, it's definitely not taking itself seriously at all. It's like glossing over everything. Just it's a lot of fun. And so just turn your brain off and enjoy it. And you will. Like the music's good. The performances are silly. It's fun. Um, what else is that right now that I like? Oh, Molly's Game with Jessica Chastain is great. Um, it's like the true story of Molly Bloom, the like poker entrepreneur, like in like L.A. and New York. It's just like it's basically a showcase for Aaron Sorkin's dialogue. Like, if you know, Aaron Sorkin, he's like famous for like right. his words. And it's just basically her, like, it's Jessica Chastain spouting Aaron Sorkin dialogue for two and a half hours, and it's great. Um, Jumanji was fun, but I don't think it's as fun as everyone is saying that it is. I feel like people are losing their minds over it. And I, like, I definitely enjoyed myself, but I'm not, like, like, I've seen so many people that, like, whose opinions I really trust being, like, it's the most fun I've had in the movies all year! And, like, I went and I enjoyed it, but I was not, I did not come out feeling like that. I feel like if you make, um, if you make a movie like that, that like, uh, taps into the nostalgia and it's not bad, right. like people are right, like, Oh, right. I mean, my big gripes, cause I love the original Jumanji. Like in this one, I thought there were not enough animals. Like there was not enough creature mayhem and there were too many like bad guys on motorcycles. Like <laughs> they favored like bad guy people over bad guy animals. And I wanted, and I wanted bad guy animals. Mm. So yes. I um, s- what like, I, uh, downsizing was very bad yeah um, i would imagine <clears throat> which was a bummer because i really like that writer and director they've made a bunch of really good movies um oh uh well, another one of my favorites of this year that it came out over the summer but it's like on dvd and like you can on like streaming now is ingrid goes west with aubrey plaza i saw that love that movie yeah that, um, <laughs> i think that's like, that was a that was an interesting it's like one such a little hidden gem yeah, yeah. i think like no one really talked about it and i think it's great uh because it, it's 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 basically about like uh an instagram stalker yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah. oh man, this is, uh, this is somewhat, re- uh, somewhat relates to, uh, Big Brother and Survivor, right? Right. <laughs> I was good time with Robert Pattinson. I yes. really loved, um, I really love that, loved that. that, that, like, that gripped me and did not me let too. go. And Robert, Robert Pattinson was amazing. He was. I agree. Um, I really also liked the Florida project that was out like over the, in the summer and the fall. Um, yeah. I, I weirdly as being such a crazy movie person as I am, I have not seen the new star Wars yet, which is insane. Yeah. Um, well, cause I like star Wars, but I don't go nuts over it. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm not clamoring to see it opening. Night. So I will see it over the next week or two, but I'm just like, I was with the force awakens as well. I was like, I will see it. And I enjoyed it when I went and saw it, but I'm not like dying to. Yeah. It's, it's been very controversial, I f- but I feel like, uh, if you're right. not, if you're not like a fanboy, then I think you'll enjoy it more because I think no, a lot of, I'm like, a, I'm a stupid idiot, like Fairweather star Wars fan. Yeah. And like, like I went and saw the Force Awakens and I was like, oh, there's Han Solo. I like this, you know. Whereas <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not really looking for it to be like super meaty. I just want it to be like entertaining. Right. And I'll yeah. be fine. I think I think a lot of the criticism comes from like the the people who are like, but all my theories and what have you done to these things? Oh yeah, I don't even fucking remember what happened in the Force Awakens. So <laughs> it's, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I recently watched Your Name, which is uh, an anime movie. I've never I haven't seen it uh it's it's amazing it's beautiful um okay i will i will definitely look up look out for that yes and uh train spotting too i really enjoyed as well okay i didn't see that either and i heard very mixed things about it so i'm intrigued to like see how i feel about it because i like the original a lot yeah it's one of my favorites and like i i can see how it was mixed but like it just hit the right 
right spot for me where it was like it okay. made it made me appreciate the first one even more and i just really felt like man this really uh, i love this i'm i'm i love okay. danny boyle in general so yeah i was just saying that i was talking to a friend the other day about like the movies that i hated in the past year and there were only two that i like genuinely considered down like i very rarely i i think i've walked out of a movie twice in my entire life but there were two this year that i was like i kind of want to leave and i didn't but one of them was downsizing and one of them was free fire which was like it was Army Hammer, Brie Larson, Cillian Murphy. It was basically a bunch of people in a warehouse shooting at each other. And I just, and like, I love the cast. I actually love premises like that, where it's just like, it happens in one room for the entire course of the movie. I actually yeah. love that. Yeah, that's, that's that was one and of my favorites. it sucked. I hated it. I hated it. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. I, yeah, I feel like uh, movies with great, like, premises, like, right. they're, they're always bad. It's always like, it's always like held up by the premise. And then like, right. uh, and it's very rare that the premise really holds up. Like the one that I think, I mean, and I, everyone knows that I think this, the one premise, the one that is like, that I love is the shallows from last year. Right. It is literally Blake Lively on a rock versus a shark for an hour and a half. And it gives you everything you want. It's so good. Yeah. Did you see a uh, green room? I think that was a couple years ago. Oh, I love green room. Oh, yes. Green I like green room amazing. a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, there weren't, there weren't too many movies I've seen. Oh, I watched the, the death note Netflix movie. God, that was awful. Oh, okay. I've not seen that either. It was terrible. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I feel like I just watched a net. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, I thought I just watched a Netflix original movie that I liked, but I don't remember. Was it Bright? I watched Bright. I did not. I heard it was bad. It was all right. It, you know, it's. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like if like the criticism probably comes from like how much attention it's getting, which it probably doesn't deserve. Right. Like it's, but it's a fine like uh, kind of buddy cop weird oh, cool no, I, know what, I just watched all of black mirror which i feel like they, each, each episode seems like a movie but oh, yeah. they're not but yeah i watched all of those yeah and then i just watched all as i was saying before i watched like this weekend i watched all of black mirror and then i just watched all of american vandal and i loved i mean black mirror i feel like i don't i never really hate a black mirror episode but there are some that i really just love mm-hmm. and there were a few this season that i loved so much oh man uh black mirror is one of my favorite shows i'm three episodes in uh, i try oh, i try so to space you, it you, out into the new season are you going like so have you seen like episode one two and three you're yeah, going yeah. in order okay oh i want to talk to you about metalhead that's like it's episode <laughs> five and that's like it's like i feel like a lot of people didn't like it and i just adored it so much and i like would be intrigued to know what you think of it i loved uss Callister. oh yeah i love that one it because in that that one especially like i watched it and uh or as i was yeah. watching it i was like uh like this is really cool but I like this isn't like Black Mirror, like super crazy dark or anything. But I was like, you know what? I don't need that. Like no other right. show is no. doing this kind of episode right. anywhere. Well, and I feel like you that one was a little bit more silly and fun. And then I feel like Archangel and Crocodile gave you <laughs> yeah. real dark. So yeah. it's like it got real dark real quick. And so, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I uh, I love Black Mirror. Um, did you watch Dark? No, but I've heard it's great. Like that's on my list for sure. Yeah, it was very good. Lots, lots of good shows. Yeah, American Vandal. Yeah. That's one of the other higher rated ones oh, I've got loved here. Loved American. I love a good like fake documentary, and I thought American Vandal, Vandal did it so well. Oh yeah, they, they, the, the way that they were able to parody um, like serial and all those right. sorts of things was well, just amazing. Like, they parodied it. But they, they obviously did a parody, but they also like. It was engaging. Exactly. I was invested in it. I was like, oh, I want to know what's going to happen. That's, you know? that's the best way to do it. When when the parody stands on its own and, and right. like hits the right spots that like the reason why you liked Serial is the same reason why you like American Vandal. But it also right. is making fun of itself and Serial. And it's great. Speaking of, speaking of anime shows, uh, uh, One Punch Man is another example of that, which is just like stands on its own as a okay. parody of like anime action shows. Uh, but then just like okay. really makes fun of the concept, cool. which okay. is great. Um, 
Anyway, this is what happens. You get you get uh, another person like me on a podcast. We're just going to be like talking about th- like things. The whole <laughs> like bringing up encyclopedic knowledge of like movies and TV, and everyone's just like falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently we need our own uh, like uh, movie review podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's let's get back to you, Andy. Cool. We interrupt this scheduled conversation for a, an important message about protein bars from RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar made with 100% whole ingredients. They're transparent with their ingredients. It's listed right on the packaging, right on the front of the packaging of the bars. RX Bar's core ingredients really do all the talking. It's just like eating eggs, egg whites, dates, almonds. Uh, like uh, it's it's like actually eating them because they're all actual whole ingredients just combined in one convenient and tasty bar they're gluten-free soy-free dairy-free no added sugar no artificial colors artificial flavors preservatives or fillers they've got that egg white protein it's 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 a great source of protein easy for your body to absorb again it's all it's all natural stuff it's great i'm actually i'm already out of the ones the the bars that they sent me they sent me uh quite a few actually um but i've i've been eating them after working out and uh those, those peanut butter ones in particular they really uh they get me so, uh, you know, help me out so that they uh, want to send me more RX bars. <laughs> they come in 11 delicious flavor varieties. If you want to try them out, if you want to get some, I'm going to help you out with that. Here's what I'm going to do. Ready? You're going to go to rxbar.com slash Terran and enter the promo code Terran. That's two Terrans. You're going to go to rxbar.com slash Terran and then enter the promo code Terran at checkout for 25% off your first order. So 25% off. That's one out of every four RX bars that you purchase for free, essentially. Right? That's how it works. 25% off. But don't don't wait on this. This is a limited time offer. This is uh, this is not going to be up forever. So if you want these RX bars, you need to jump on this now. Hopefully at this point, you're an expert at letting the podcast run as you go to the promo site. So you're going to do that and then promo Coterran and then, you know, success. Listen to, to the rest of this interview with the, the pleasure of knowing that RX bars are on the way and you got 25% off on them. Some great stuff. All right, back to Andy. Um, so uh, when did you get into Big Brother? I Okay, so I like vividly remember it. My like my family was over and it was like my mom's side of the family, which I like thought was kind of boring and didn't really like. And I probably like shouldn't say that publicly, but whatever. <laughs> but I was just like a little bit like, I was just like, I want to go watch TV. And so my mom was like, fine, you've been like good. You've like sat at the table with everyone. You can go watch TV. And it was like, whatever year Big Brother 3 came out, I was probably like early teens, like late adolescence. Like, so Big Brother 3 would have been 2002. What? Yeah, I think so. So it would have been like 14, 15. And I just remember like, I was like sitting on the, on the carpet, not even like, I was just like, for some reason, sitting like directly in front of the, the TV, like idiots on TV shows do. And I remember like flipping the channels and I like, remember like, it was like a diary. It was like a confessional of Danielle Reyes. And I was just like, oh, like this person seems intriguing. And so I, I want to say the season was maybe like three episodes in. Like it was very early still. And so I was like, oh, like it kind of suckered me in. And then like they like brought the schedule. They were like, oh, Big Brother airs like Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, like tune in on Sunday. And I was like, oh, like I want to turn, I want to tune in. And so literally it was that simple. Like I just got hooked immediately and I just like became totally obsessed with that season. And then every summer for the rest of, I mean, every summer for the rest of my life, I have become like incredibly obsessed with it. Like to the point where I remember, like I used to do community theater in the summer, like every summer for years. So I would miss, I would be like at rehearsals or at shows, I would miss Big Brother and my parents would like tape it on VHS tapes for me. And I would like come home and like pop the VHS tape in and like watch it when I got home, you know, or like when I was in college, 
I would like, when I was in like dorm rooms, I, so for my first two years of college, I had a dorm room. And to my roommates, I would literally put like a note on the TV that would be like, Big Brother is recording from seven to eight. Like, please don't turn the TV on or please don't turn, like, please don't turn it off, you know? And then when I would come home from class, I would like put it on and watch it, you know? Yeah. Um, did, did you ever like think that you would go on it? See, every, like, I honestly feel like for years I would watch the like, are you crazy? Like, are you out going and saying the stupid <laughs> yeah. promos for it? And I was like, I think that I could do pretty well on this. And I really, I fought it for years. And then the year that I tried out, one of my girlfriends from college just like sent me a Facebook message. And she was just like, hey, I know this is kind of out of the blue, but like Big Brother's doing an open casting call five minutes from your apartment. Why don't you just go and like see what happens? And I was just like, eh, I slided it off. And that morning I woke up and I was just like, you know what? Like, why not? Like, just go and try. And so I went with my boyfriend at the time. And I remember thinking, I was like, if he fucking gets on the show, because he didn't know anything about the show. I was like, he's going to get on and I'm not. And I'm going to be so annoyed. Um, But we like went together and I went and like got in line. And it was actually interesting. I like, while I was waiting like for to go in, I was number like 600 something. And my boyfriend and I sat down at a table with this like woman who was there with one of her friends who ended up being Helen. And so I remember like sitting and I, we sat and chatted with Helen and her, and her friend for two hours, like while we waited to go in. And then Helen was in the group right before me. And so Helen went in and then she came back. And like when, when, like, when, the, group came back, when the group came back, you had like some time to like, or no, never mind. She must've been like three or four groups ahead of me because I had time, like after she went in. She came back and I was like, oh, what did they ask you when you were in there? And she told me everything. She was like, oh, they asked for the biggest threat is, they asked this and this and this. So I was able to like kind of like make answers <laughs> in my head of what I should say. And so I went in and like, that's what they asked me. And I remember it was James Ryan was in there with one of the like casting producers with Ashley, who actually was like my casting person. And they were like, oh, who's the biggest threat in the room? And I was the last person to go. And I dressed very innocuously. I wore like little red shorts and a Saved by the Bell t-shirt. And it came to me and I was like, does anyone think, because no one said me. And then I was like, oh, does anyone think I'm threatening? And everybody in the room was just like, no, shut up, you idiot. And I was just like, listen, I like snapped my fingers and I was like, I have a master's degree in communication from a top five communication program. So I know what to say to people and how to say it. And I do improv comedy all over Chicago so I can make things up and lie my ass off on the spot. And I look like this. I was like, I will be the biggest threat in that house and no one will see it coming. Like no one will expect it. And then that's, and I feel like the casting people were like, whoa, like I feel like instantly they were into it. And that's like essentially how I played. I feel like I really do feel like I was just kind of viewed as this like innocuous little like nothing. When in fact, I had my hand in like every pot and no one knew that I did, you know? Yeah, you played it, was like, you played it so well, you convinced the audience. Right, right. <laughs> um, but no, but it's just like, it was like, it was like, to, to answer your question, I had been a fan of the show since season three. So for 12 years, and then I finally just on a whim decided to go and it like the rest is history. Like it all happened pretty quick after that. So yeah, wow. Uh, so like, you go on the show, uh, you, you go through the season. Obviously, it's a bit of a tumultuous season. Right. Uh, what, what is it like when you when you exit Big Brother 15? As the winner, well, there must be a whole bunch of different things coming at you. Sure. I mean, it is insane that they just, like, throw you back into the real world. <clears throat> like, they essentially just, like, throw you to the wolves. <clears throat> Excuse me. And my, my experience was very interesting. I feel like I came out... And I was not around when a lot of the racist and homophobic stuff was said. And so I didn't know that, like, I did not know that it was as intense as it was. Cause I had heard a few things, but it's like every, like, I was like, I kept up a little bit with the feeds and stuff. I knew that every season people said, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like nobody on Big Brother ever said anything racist or homophobic. And so I was just like, oh, like, okay, this happens every year. Like, people, like, this is a like cultural, like, melting pot of people. People are gonna say things like that. And I did not realize that it had garnered the attention and was, the, I did not realize the magnitude of it. And so I was just kind of shell-shocked. I mean, I was thrown right into interviews and people were like, what was it like living in a hostile homophobic environment? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, 
everyone loved me. Everyone was very nice to me. Like no one was ever homophobic to me. And they were like, well, people called you like a fairy behind your back and people called you like a fag to your face. And I was like, well, I was like, number one, I was like, the people that called me a fag were Amanda and Spencer, who were my two best friends. And like, you have to think about it. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't love that word. But I was like, they both said it to me, like to my face in like, and the context that they said it in was like out of a place of love. Like they were like joking with me and they knew that like, I'm not a very offendable person. And so like, they did not say it cruelly or in a homophobic manner. And I feel like I was actually kind of frustrated because I feel like a lot of these like news outlets like kind of vilified me for being like complacent with all of this. And I was like, I'm not complacent with it. I'm just telling you that like, I'm not going to call two people homo- homophobes who are not homophobes. Like I was like, they said like a word that is homophobic, but they did not say it in a context that was. And you have to think about it like that. These are like people with jobs. And I was like, I'm not going to vilify them just because like I could look like a hero if I did, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that made people mad, but I like stuck to my guns about it. I was just like, no, you know? Um, and then with the racist stuff, like I was, that was also frustrating because I was playing to win $500,000. You know, I was like playing a game where my whole, and my whole strategy banked on not pissing people off. And so I was around when a few of the things were said. And like, I vividly remember one day, Jeremy said something, I don't even remember what it was, but it really upset Howard. And I pulled Howard aside like 20 minutes later. And I was like, Hey, I heard what Jeremy said. And like, it was stupid. Like, don't get me like, you are not alone in here. And like thinking that Jeremy's wrong, but just like understand that like, I'm not going to scream at him because I don't want to cause trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, but I'm like, I have your back. Like, I've got you. I heard that it was shitty. I know that it was other people know that it was. Then I remember there was another time, like there were actually several times where I would console Candace and be like, Hey, like I heard what Gina Marie said to you. I heard what like Aaron said, like it was crappy. I love you. I'm here for you. But like, what I always get at is you don't actually see everything 24 seven on big brother. It's like, if my conversation with Candace wasn't as entertaining as something that was going on somewhere else, it didn't make the feeds. And like, apparently none of these conversations made the feeds. But if you ask like Howard or Candace, like these conversations happen, you know? And so people called me essentially like a racism enabler. And they were like, you were in the room and you didn't speak up. And I was like, I was playing a game. Like if this was everyday life, I would have for sure spoken up. Like I, I understand that these things are wrong, but like you have to understand that I was in a situation that was like very different for, it wasn't everyday life. You know, big brother is like, how you are in everyday life, but no, it's not. You're playing a game. You're not being your actual self that you would be in the every, in the real world, you know? And yeah. so that was frustrating. Um, I guess like coming out to like some, like I feel like there were alums that like understood the game that like supported me. Like Ian like had my back, like I was just like, oh, Andy's playing a great game. But then people like Dan Giesling were like, oh, he sucks. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. And I was like, like people that I had respect for, I was just like, really? Like I was like, I worked my ass off all summer. And like, the, the players that the fans listen to the most are like knocking me. And so everyone thinks that I played like a terrible game. Just like, it was like a bruise to my ego. Like I was just like, I think I played so hard. And like the fact that like, I wasn't getting like the recognition for it. Like it just, it like irked me, but like I got over it pretty quick. I was like a lot of the, I was like the fans that get the show and like understand strategy, like knew what I was doing. And like, it's not that big of a deal. And I guess the only thing that really irked me, me is funny, which I feel like that was like one of my, like, I truly think that my sense of humor is like, a very big factor in why I won. Like I would like consistently make fun of people and like joke with them. And I feel like when you do that with people, it endears you to them, you know, it, like it, it makes them like you. And I think like, the show portrayed me as kind of a nervous, like, like a nervous little weasel instead of like someone who was like funny and in the good graces of everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like, like you probably more than uh, anyone in recent memory, like really just like came out and, and had to immediately go on, on the defensive in terms of like, yeah I, will, yeah, I realized pretty quickly. I was just like, okay, I'm arguing with like either idiots or like really mean people on the internet. And I was like, I need to just like not get into that. so I feel like I realized pretty quickly, like when I got home, I was like, Oh, who cares what like some like mother from Kansas thinks about, thinks about me. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like you've got like friends and family that love you in Chicago. That's all that really matters. And so that's when I realized I was like, Oh, I'm just going to like start poking fun at these people. Like, because 
I really do think if you are someone that is like screaming at a big at a former Big Brother player online twenty four seven, you're probably a little bit unhinged, and it's like kind of fascinating to me. Became like kind of fascinated by it and was able to see all the humor in it. And like then I feel like once I took that mindset, I was just like, oh, this is like it didn't bother me at all, you know? Yeah. Well, I in in many ways, it, like uh, it it's probably helpful. Like I feel like people that come out to to praise, they're like, uh, yes. I, I do deserve this praise. And then it can be hard right. to uh, wean yourself off of and it when it goes think, away. I still think I'm self-aware enough where like, if I don't think I ever would have been like that. I don't think I ever would have been like that type of person who came out and just like quit my job and wanted to like tour the country at like doing like bar gigs all day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, it's not in my blood to be like that. I feel like my friends and I like are the type of people that like make fun of that kind of a thing. Like when I go to like reality events, my friends will always be like, please tell me everything. Like, I'm sure it was like you were in another world. You know what I'm saying? And it kind of is, you know? Yeah. But like, agree that like yeah the people that come out and get like the crazy crazy praise that think everyone wants to watch them on periscope all day i'm just like <laughs> just go hang out with your actual friends like please like that's what matters in life like get like in in a year no one is gonna like i feel like those are the people that have a worse time i feel like in the long run because like with me i came out and i was pretty much hated by everybody and i was like okay i'm just getting back to everyday life whereas like i didn't have like a come down from it where like i was loved for a year and then like forgotten about you know and i feel like you see players who have that, who like have a really hard time adjusting after like, after they're like a nobody after a year, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so strange to me, just like how divisive a figure figure you are in the big brother community right. in terms of like, both like, like looking at it strategically, looking at like, like there are so many people. I love Andy on Twitter. He's, I hated him on the show. I love him on Twitter. Other people, I can't stand him. He's so annoying on Twitter. It's just like, like it, people just have such strong reactions to you, right. which makes no sense to me because like, I love yeah. you, but like, like right. you don't seem like the kind of guy that so many people should be hating. It's so weird no, to me. Like, and that's the thing. I agree. I, I, like, I wasn't like, I don't think I was like a horrible, evil presence on the show. I was just like kind of a not, I was kind of boring and innocuous, if anything. And then I feel like on Twitter, I feel like I just like try to poke fun at everything. And I feel like I have a good attitude about it all. And yeah, there are still people that are just, just hate my guts. <laughs> Although I really do feel like over the years, I've like weaned those people out. Like I yeah. don't nearly get the hate that I used to. I feel like now I feel like it's people that tend to like respect how I played and people that just like respect like my like sense of humor of it. Like I just like, I just look at it all with like a sense of like, this is funny. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a big brother is a ridiculous experience. That like, sure, like the strategy element I like to take seriously, but there's so much of a, about it that is like, completely absurd that like, I feel like people tend to like, I feel like the people that follow me on Twitter tend to like the fact that I like poke fun at it and like that I don't take it too seriously, you know? Yeah, I, I love it when I, like I'm on Reddit and people are talking about like, oh, winner rankings. And then there's there's always like one person that's been like stuck in a time capsule, like they're still in World War Two or something, who's like, right. wait, wh- wh- when did Andy get so high on the list? When did this happen? <laughs> what? Wait, what? Right. Right. Uh, And then, like, there's always, like, the explanation following. Right. Well, and just, like, I feel like there's just so much, like, like, stupid, unnecessary, like, drama and fighting. And, like, among, like, Big Brother alums where I'm just, like, I like to just, like, I, there are the, like, there's a hand, I could count on probably two hands the number of alums that I would consider, like, actual friends in my everyday life. Like, so many people are like, oh, my Big Brother family. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, no, like... (laughs) And these people are fine. Like I will like, go to events and like converse with them. But like the people, there are very few alums that I'm like actually consider good, like lovely friends. And I think those are the ones that I like talk to every day and like reach out to. But it's like all the other ones, like if someone like on Twitter, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, why do I care what like someone on season 11 of Big Brother thinks about me on Twitter? You know? Yeah. I mean, well, that's like, that's, I feel like that's been happening all over the place, especially since like, it's just, Big Brother 19. And a lot of times it's like, I mean, with people like Evil Dick, it's like a cry for attention. Like he like wants to be, he wants attention. So it's like, why are you fucking tweeting about like Raven still? What are you doing? Like I saw like, all that drama happening and I was just like, what is wrong with you? Like go fucking spend time with people and, and get off your computer tweeting about a show that ended six months ago. Like, 
I just like can't stand him. And so I threw out like a little bit of a bitchy tweet that was just like, oh, like me like excited that he got kicked off Twitter for a day. But it's like, if he like, he's been like replying to it, calling me like a loser with no friends and an alcoholic and a monster and like the worst winner ever. And I'm like, I'm not even going to reply to it and give him the satisfaction. I'm just like, okay, like he wants a fight and I'm not going to give it to him. So, and it's also just like, he's met me literally once for 30 seconds at a charity event. Like he doesn't know anything about my personal life. So it's like, shut the fuck up, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's one of the things like, I remember, um, I remember, I, I guess it was like a couple, a year or two after you, or you won. Um, I remember you were like, I remember thinking like Andy is getting into so many feuds on Twitter. Like, right. uh, is he position, is he trying to position himself to like get asked back because he's, <laughs> so, no, like, I just like, I just like would fall into them. Like I'm telling you, I never like baited anybody. Like I feel like so. Though, like, I got into one with Reagan, who, yeah. so, like, one of my best friends was on Jeopardy, and he, like, became kind of an, he became kind of, like, an internet sensation overnight, because he, like, he won a Daily Double, and he snapped, and, like, it became, like, a meme, and, like, kind of a thing, and Reagan, like, had, like, Reagan basically had, like, a vendetta against this person, like, so basically, this guy, like, the guy who was on Jeopardy is my friend, his name's Lewis, he, like, covered Big Brother for, like, three or four years for, like, an entertainment website in Los Angeles, okay? And so he covered Reagan's season, and he did a piece for his website about, like, the 10 most annoying gay guys on TV, and he listed Reagan as one of them. And he, But basically, it was, like, such an innocuous article. Like, he was like, oh, Reagan is actually, like, a smart person and, like, a pretty good Big Brother player, but, like, he cries all the time, and he, just, he needs to just, like, get out of his head and stop crying, and, like, he could actually do well. That was essentially what it said. And then he never wrote anything about Reagan ever again. And then... I was in LA and I was like staying with like my friend Lewis, the one that was on Jeopardy, the one that wrote this. I was staying with him in LA. And this was right after my season of Big Brother. And I actually really loved Reagan while he was on Big Brother. And so I was getting lunch with him. And I was at Lewis's and I was like, oh, Lewis, I'm getting lunch with Reagan. Like, do you want to come? And Lewis, I had no idea that Lewis like wrote about him. And Lewis was like, oh, like I weirdly wrote like a little piece about him a few years ago. And it seemed to like really make him mad. Like I probably shouldn't come. And I was like, Lewis, Reagan is a 40-year-old man. Like, this was two years ago. I'm sure he's over it. And so Lewis was like, okay. So Lewis comes to the car, and Reagan literally looks at him and goes, I do not like him, and I will not speak to him. And I was like, oh, I have grossly misread this situation. Like, I was like, so Lewis just, like, turns around and walks away, and I was like, oh, my God. And so then fast forward a couple years, Lewis is on Jeopardy. Reagan tweets, like, oh, this guy that's getting praise on Jeopardy is, like, a self-hating homophobe who, like, tweets, like, lists ranking bad gay guys. I'm like, that's not what Lewis is like at all. And so I was like, just defending my friend, I reached out and very like reasonably, I was like, hey, to Reagan, I was like, hey, like, you don't really know this person. He's not like that. Like, if you actually got to know him as a, as a, in real life, you would realize this. And Reagan like went off on me, like literally just like called me a piece of shit, told me that like all the Big Brother community hates me, like literally wrote like a giant long blog about like how like I'm like a loser who can't get over my time on Big Brother. And it was insane. Like, seriously, I was like watching it all happen. And I was just like, oh, my God. And, like. Because, like, it was one of those things where fans were, like, listening to him. And I was just like, he doesn't know me at all. This is irritating. Like, like my name is getting, like, dragged through the mud. I kind of fleshed it all out. And I was just like, this is what happened. Like, this is why Reagan weirdly is, like, going off on me because I defended my friend. It's, like, kind of crazy. I'm like, but that was probably my biggest beef that I ever had, which, like I said, I just, like, fell into by, like, very reasonably defending my friend. And I, like... I think I maybe sent one tweet back to Reagan, but then I texted Reagan and I was like, hey, we're adults. Like, if you have a problem with me, like, talk to me about it like this. Don't, like, publicly tweet it. Like, I feel like don't, like, don't write a public blog about me. Like, reach out to me as a person. And he sent me a text back like this, just, like, chewing me out again. And I was like, you are a lost cause. Bye. Like, I'm not dealing with this. Um, well, and, like, his piece about me was so frustrating because it was basically saying that, like, there are two types of former Big Brother players. Like, type one is, like, the loser, pathetic, like, moron who can't get over the experience and, like, lives in the past for the rest of their life. And type two is, which is me, and type two is, is the Reagan type where, like, they're above it and they move on and, like, they have a perfect outside life. And I'm just like, okay, like, fuck this. And so, yet again, this is why I, like, wanted to reply to it. I was like, 
I think that I'm a very healthy mix of both. I was like, I for sure will forever like tweet about Big Brother and talk about Big Brother and I will watch it every summer because I've loved it for my entire life. Like, what are you talking about? Like, of course I'm still going to talk about it. But I was also like, yet again, kind of like with Dick, I was like, Reagan doesn't know me at all. What I'm like in my, like my everyday personal life. Like I am surrounded by people that love me and that care about me. And I was like, I'm not just like some like monster who can't get over the past. Like I have a very healthy, like outside life. And so it was like, I felt like I felt the need to like flesh that out for everyone. Cause I was like, I hate that people were like listening to him and like getting that view of me that like I thought was quite incorrect. Um, but yet again, I feel like, like I did it like quite rationally and I tried to like squelch it while it was happening. And like Reagan just kept making it more and more public. And I was like, fine, if this is how you want to do it. And then Dick kind of did the same thing, but I realized pretty quickly to ignore him. Like I got into it with Derek and Zach from 16 because I called their season boring. Like they both like lashed out at me for saying that, which their season was boring. Um, I'm trying to think of other, like, those might have been the big ones. I don't know. Like, I guess, like, my thing is, like, I'm not afraid to speak my mind. And, like, I feel like a lot of Big Brother players can't handle it. Like, they can dish it, but they can't take it. And it's just, like, I feel like when someone comes for me and is like, oh, you were boring on the show, I'm like, yeah. Like, I was. Like, I'm not going to fight you. Like, oh, I called Derek boring. And, like, he, like, lashed out at me. And I was like, you were boring on the show. Like, I was boring on the show, too. Like, there's nothing wrong with being boring on the show. Like, being boring on the show usually means that you've got a pretty good shot of winning the show. And it's just like, quit being so butthurt over everything that I'm saying, you know? Well, it's like, it must be like weird because like, I I think like for me, it normally in, in, a, in an everyday circumstance, if somebody's like right. going crazy about me, I'm just going to like, okay, I'll, let me just walk away slowly. Right. But when right. it's somebody who has a large following and they're saying these right. things publicly, it's almost like if you don't respond, it's like... Yes, what they're saying is oh, correct. It's, it's right. Yeah, yeah, like, right. So it's like you're almost forced to like get dragged into something that you normally no, wouldn't that is, be involved. That in. is like that is exactly right. Like, like like I said, I even prefaced like my Reagan blog. I was like, in everyday life, I don't get into fights like this. But I was like, but I feel the need to defend myself weirdly. Like, I guess I have to reply to this. Like, I don't know. It was very it, like. And it was just like, I felt like it was kind of like the pot calling the kettle black with him. Like, I feel like I was like Facebook friends with him for a few years before he like defriended me and hated my guts. And he was like always the person posting about how like he was like cutting friends out of his life. And he was like starting fresh. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like don't claim that I'm like a weird like bridge burner with no friends when like you're the one that I see doing that all the time. You know, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? And I just like, it frustrates me when like Big Brother players, like people who have literally met me at like a charity event for an hour will like claim that they know things about what what happens in my everyday life you know yeah yeah uh yeah i mean like even even me like i'll read something on reddit about like oh yeah i met taryn at a at a live know-it-alls and uh you know so sometimes it's like nice stuff they're like right. uh, oh he was amazing i'm like i'm not amazing what are you talking about right. <laughs> or they're like uh like he seemed really shy and i'm like yeah that's probably a little more accurate uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah it's 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 weird it's weird seeing people like like write about you and then feel like I want to respond, but I, I, and like, I very much come around to this idea of just like, I pretty much just don't respond to much of it at all anymore. Uh, you know, if people are being nice, then I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. Cause it really, it's, it's amazing to, to get the nice stuff. Uh, but when people are being mean, it's just like, all right, thanks. Like I said, I feel like, I feel like over the years, I, I truly have like, I don't get a lot of the mean stuff anymore. You know, like, mm-hmm. I feel like it is mostly nice stuff. And I think people like the mean people realize, I feel like that, like they weren't going to get to me and I wasn't going to like fight with them and scream at them. And that's like, whenever I see like, b- like newer big brother players doing it, I'll, like, I'll re- reach out to them and be like, you're fueling the fire. And mm-hmm. like, if you keep replying to these people, they're going to keep sending you mean things. If you just ignore them or if you, I feel like either ignoring them or making fun of them and making them look stupid, they'll go away. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's, that's I will occasionally like the only thing that really gets me now is like if I see something that's just really dumb, then I'll like I'll quote retweet it with some like a snarky oh, comment sure. <laughs> just to like right. let everyone see like this is what I deal with on a regular basis and right, it's pretty right. funny right, actually. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, it actually is, it's kind of funny to have one peppered in there. Like on, I'll post something on Instagram. It'll be like literally like a photo of me like with my mother and like our dogs that are at my home and like. People be like, oh, so cute. Like, love this. And then someone will just be like, you're disgusting. And I'm like, why are you commenting that? Like, can, what? Like, you're, like, if you think I'm so disgusting, why do you follow me on this? Just go away. Yeah. Uh, it, there was a, we did a, we did a, a podcast about the holidays. Um, and we talked about like Santa and like, uh, right. I guess I should say like, uh, kids beware. Um, we're going to be talking about Santa for, for the next, uh, two minutes. Um, but we talked about how like Santa isn't real. And like, did you grow up with the lie? Like, what do you feel about the Santa lie? Um, and like people were like, that was one of the most controversial things I've ever talked about on a, <laughs> on the Terran show at the very least. People were like, like you are tearing into Santa, like what a disappointment you must be to Rob uh, that you what? think that you, p- that people shouldn't say that Santa is real. And I was like, I didn't even say that. I just recounted my own experience. <laughs> um, but, but people, but like there were, there were two different people that were like, like ha- that is so disgraceful to Rob that like, like, like I'm somehow shaming Rob for s- saying, right. I don't even know if Rob tells his kids about Santa. Like what? I don't even know what you're talking oh, about. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and like just the outrage, the outrage on the part of like, okay, I guess the fan outrage for people that we know that are not outraged is so crazy to <laughs> yeah. me, if that makes sense. So like, I, I, I posted a photo with Helen over the summer and like, yet again, like it was like me and Helen just like being cute at lunch. And like, I feel like it got like 30 comments that were just like, oh my God, love that you guys are together. Like love seeing this. And then someone was just like, and I feel like I had like 10 friends send me like a screenshot of it because they were like, Andy, this is so funny. Someone was just like, how can she possibly be friends with a piece of shit like you? Like. <laughs> You were so evil to her on TV. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, I, 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 I voted her out, but I was never mean to her. She was like my dear friend all season. Like, I wasn't evil to her on TV. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah. Well, it's, that's like, I, I and maybe these, this isn't the best example, but I saw that recently in the Reddit thread where, like, they were talking about this feud with Paul and, and Dick and Raven, and, right. where, like, Paul is, is standing up for Raven, essentially. And people were like, oh, but he was so mean to her in the house. Like, what a, what a fake person. It's like... You realize, like, that was, like, a while ago now, and it was in a game that was on TV, and they've had interactions since then where they've probably cleared the air, and they're saying that they are now friends. Like, why do you assume that you know more than that? Right, get out of their lives. Like, I mean, I still get that with Alyssa. Like, I mean, and I always say, in the Big Brother house, when you you start to dislike someone, it is like magnified by a hundred. Mm-hmm. If you like dislike someone in everyday life, you just don't, don't go see them. Like don't hang out with them, you know? And like, I feel like you can like mildly dislike them and that's all that really happens. But if you start to dislike someone in the big brother house, you're with them 24 seven and you have no escape from them. And you start to legitimately hate their guts. Like by the time that Alyssa was evicted, I hated Alyssa's guts. I hated her so, like a deep, <laughs> dark hatred like, in my, in my soul for Alyssa. And then the second that I saw Alyssa in the finale, I was like, oh, I don't hate her. Like, I was like, I was being crazy. Like, my, my emotions were just like, I don't hate Alyssa at all. And I, like, apologized to her. And I was like, you have to realize, like, in the house, like, and she was like, oh, I, I mean, she, she got it. We, like, we were good within, like, a month after the show. We, like, made up and we were fine. And now, like, we are, like, friends. Like, we will, like, text and, like, FaceTime. And people will see us interacting and be like, 
Alyssa, how can you possibly talk to him? And I'm like, we were on a TV show four years ago. Like we're friends now. Fuck <laughs> off. You know, yeah. Well, it's like 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 even outside of the context of Big Brother, haven't you ever like like to the to the people who do this like yeah have you haven't you ever like not liked somebody and like maybe been a little mean to them and then like turned around on them and now you're friends like it happens all the time yeah do you feel like Big Brother uh, like changed your life I mean of course it did like the money for sure changed my life like I have been able to do things that I would not have been able to do I mean like. That I like, I just have had like the, that. I have been more comfortable doing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I could still like take extravagant vacations, but I just like would be like, oh, I'm like watching my money, and now I don't have to be like that. And I feel like the money for sure changed my life. I was able to get like, so I lost a bunch of weight really quickly. My like sophomore year of college, I lost like a hundred, hundred and ten pounds in like a year, and so I had like extra skin on my chest and my stomach that like was just never going to go away. And so I was able to. I mean, over the course of three years, I've spent about like twenty five grand on like surgeries, like removing it and like ma- like toning myself up. Like things that I like, like, and basically like things that I couldn't do without, like that I couldn't do via exercise, you know, mm-hmm. like it had to be done. And I feel like it was like strictly cosmetic. So insurance didn't cover anything. And I did not have like an extra $25,000 like laying around before. And I was able to use that for this. And it was like, I'm very like grateful for that. I'm like, it, it for sure changed my life. And the fact that I always tell people like when I'm out and like my friends love embarrassing me when I'm out, like if I'm talking, if I'm like flirting with a guy at a bar, one of my friends will walk over and just like walk by us and be like, is that Annie from Big Brother? And then just keep going. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. Um, but like, they know that like, like they always poke fun at it and I poke fun at it. But like, it was, I am legitimately to my core, like so thankful that it happened. It was a literal dream come true. And I feel like very few people, like we are not on this earth for a very long time. And I feel like very few people can say that they lived an actual dream. And I did. And so I'm like very thankful for that. But then in regard of like the other stuff, like I didn't go on Big Brother to be famous whatsoever. I went on Big Brother to win Big Brother and to win money. And so when I got back from the show, like I just got back to everyday life. And so I feel like in my everyday life, I mean, I guess on the fact that like I'm recognized every once in a while, but it has not changed my life. You know, like I stayed in my apartment that I was in. I like still have all my friends that I you know, like it's I'm I'm the same old person that I was. I don't think I am anywhere different now than I would have been had I not been on Big Brother. Do you do you think maybe like you you got a thicker skin at least? Yes, I very much agree with that. Although. I've always kind of been a person with a, with a thicker skin. Like I grew up like kind of fat and not very attractive. And I feel like I like, I never really let it get to me. Like, I feel like I never was like a sad kid growing up. Like I always post photos of myself as a kid. And I look like, I, like when I was in like eighth grade, I looked like a 45 year old woman. <laughs> and I feel like, but like, I was always a happy kid. I've like always had a relatively thick skin. And I always say like, I'm glad that like, I'm actually glad that if anyone got a lot of hate after being on the show, it was me because I really do feel like I could take it. Like, you know what I'm saying? It came and I was just like, I'm fine with this. Like, I think there are other people that I think would have really crumbled under it. And like my thick skin that I already kind of had made it like relatively easy for me to deal with it, you know? Yeah. Did, did you like, uh, cause I know um, like there were people like Spencer in particular, like lost his job. Right. How did you feel about that? I mean, I thought a lot of it was bull. Like, I thought the Spencer stuff was BS. Like, I feel like Spencer is someone who, like, Spencer takes jokes a little bit too far sometimes. But, like, the fact that Spencer was, like, investigated for being a pedophile is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, he made a joke. Like, it was just, like, that was crazy. But it's just, like, like I feel like people, like, people latched on to, like, they didn't even, like, they, they, they latched onto the term, like, pedophile and then didn't even look at, like, they didn't even look at, like, what the actual context of what happened was. And it's like, that was like one of the major reasons why he lost his job. And it's just like, I want to give like a big fuck you to the people at the railroad for that. Because like, he worked for them for like 10 years before and was a great model employee. And he made one off color joke that was not even, I mean, it was a stupid, like gross joke. I, I remember being around for it and being like, oh, like, I don't like that. But I don't think it merits someone losing their job. It was not, and it didn't merit a police investigation by any means, I don't think. And there are other people like, I truly think that like, I truly think that Erin learned her lesson. I think that Erin like got off the show and like really did like look deep inside of herself and realize like, hey, like 
maybe I did say some ignorant things and maybe I do come from a background that has like given me some beliefs that are a little bit like wrong to have in this day and age. And I think that she's like a different person now. I really do. I talk to her all the time. Do you feel like like the the social media? Because I feel I I feel like Big Brother fifteen was the first time, first right. really the first time that like social media got so involved, and it was because of that that uproar. I think, and like there were certainly seasons before Big Brother fifteen that right. would have had probably even bigger uproars if social media had been in the same. Uh, state yeah. that it that it was in Big Brother 15 and ever since then it's been such a huge part of of the Big Brother culture like what what do you think about all that oh I always say like there are players from previous seasons that are real lucky that social media was not a big thing um that said way worse things than people my season said and I'm not pardoning the things that people my season said but like like I said like I feel like we none of us really realized like the the like magnitude of like the crazy impact that social media was going to have on it and when we got out like I like I said I like barely used Instagram. I didn't even really know what it was. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like even that, like, I feel like Twitter was pretty big. Like when we came out, but Instagram, like the year later, I feel like when we all came out, we maybe had like 30,000 Instagram followers. The next year people had like 200,000. It's like, it got like, it, like even after us, I feel like it got way, way, way bigger, but we were like the, st- like the starting ground for it all. And it like, I mean, I definitely think that it has impacted the show in numerous ways. I think that it has impacted the casting of the show. I think that it has impacted like the way that the show handles like controversy. I mean, like, I truly do think that the show casts like for showmances now and like for things that are going to like have a good hashtag instead of like for players that are really strategic. Like I feel like in the last from 15 to 19, I think the only two like relatively pretty strong strategic casts were 15 and 17. I think 16, 18 and 19 were jokes. Um, and it's just like, cause they were casting for people that they thought would like hook up with each other instead of people that would like backstab each other, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, how like three fourths of the way through 17, uh, Les Moonves was like, ah, oh, this is a disappointing cast. Right. <laughs> like, what? Oh my God. I remember being like, this is one of the best casts. Like, oh my God. I remember being, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. This right? is a disappointing cast. <laughs> what? <laughs> It was right after uh I, I was think it was right after Steve uh didn't evict um the one of the twins. Um, okay. which was yeah. a very good move. Um Right. So, uh so you you mentioned like the money. Like what like what what do you do with that much money to make sure it lasts? I mean, I I'm stupid when it comes to things like that. Like I don't have like business sense or anything. So I got off the show. And I just immediately like fished around to people that I trust for financial planners. And so I literally just like, as simple as can be, I went to a financial planner and I was like, hello, here's a bunch of my money. I want you to send me like a statement every month showing me that it is turning into more money. And that's all that I need to know. So like literally I get my statement every month and I'm like, I'm good. Um, and so I put, 50, I put 51 grand into a retirement account. So I've got that. Like, and I feel like no 26 year old can put 51 grand into a retirement account. So like, like that is building. And so, I mean, I basically, like, I was smart with it. Like, I invested it. I, like, did things with it. And, like, it will last. I, I'm good. Like, I'll put it like that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it, it, and that's, that's, that's how I'd like to think that I would handle it. Like, uh, like right. yeah, just, just have a nice little, like, uh, piece of, of thing there oh. the, to well, support like, me. It was funny. The producers, like, after I won, they were like, thank God you won. And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, Gina Marie would have blown that in <laughs> six months. And they were like, <laughs> As if Gina Marie would have won. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Bless Gina Marie, but like I just loved. I mean, I love Gina Marie with all my heart, but it's just like yeah, Gina, I, Gina Marie immediately her fifty grand. She immediately bought a lime green Mustang, <laughs> and it's just like that, all that money's gone. Like, <laughs> oh man. Um, so is that like is that like right now you're just kind of you're you're doing the the dog walking thing. You're mm-hmm. seeing a billion movies. Uh, yeah. Is this like uh, you're just living your life? 
I was just talking to a friend about it. I was like, I feel like I am like quite possibly the happiest I've ever been in my life right now. I'm like very content. Like I feel like the dog walking is going really well. I really love doing it. I don't walk any dogs that are like assholes. They're all lovely. <laughs> and I just feel like I'm like, I'm able to like work all day with these dogs, go to see movies. I just like have such a solid, like after five, after being in Chicago for, it'll be six years in April. I've got such like a really, really awesome, like lovely group of friends in Chicago that like, no matter what night, if I want to like go out and see people, people are out doing things like, you know, it's like, I, I, I was just saying how I feel fortunate in my life where when I was in high school, I really loved high school and I was like very sad for high school to end. And I really loved college. I liked college more than high school. And I was sad for college to end. Then I moved to Chicago and I was sad that college was over. And now I feel like I'm loving my time in Chicago even more than I loved college. So I feel like every step of my life, I've liked more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully it just keeps going like that, you know? Yeah. What's, what's the next step, do you think? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I feel like one of these days, I mean, I'm 31. Like, one of these days I'm going to wake up and just be like, oh, I think I, like, might want kids, like, in a family. Like, I mean, that would require me to, like, date someone seriously, which I never do ever. Yeah. But, um, so. <laughs> why, why haven't you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I am bored by everybody. Like, I go on a thousand dates and I'm just like, eh, next. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, but I feel like I'm spoiled. A few years ago, I like fell for a friend after like being friends for like a year. And I feel like it was just like really, really wonderful. And then he moved to LA and we just like decided not to do like long distance. And I feel like I got really spoiled by that. And so a part of me is just like eyeing my friends. I'm like, okay, what one of you like can we just like, fall in love soon and make it happen? Like it's really great when it happens. So yeah. and I've got like a I've got like a really good friend that a bunch of my friends think is like it's like in the beginning of stages of happening with. And I'm like kind of in denial about it, but like we'll see. So Oh, there you go. Um yeah, that's one of the the things about your your Twitter is that like uh, I feel like there's always a funny date anecdote uh, on right. there like every every other day. <laughs> because I just like I'm such a demon. I'll like all that I will do is like poke fun at guys. Although I feel like dating is just like this in general. I will like make fun of a guy all night, and then he'll be like, "I'm like so." For example, on New Year's Eve, like there was this guy that I think is so cute that I wanted to like. We were like we were all at a bar, and then we were gonna, we were like a big group of us were going to come to my apartment afterwards and like just like drink for like another hour at my place. And I like really wanted him to come. And so we were like getting ready to go. And I went over to him and I was just like, I was like, oh, we're having after hours at my apartment. But like, you are not allowed. It's one in, one out. And like, you're not on the guest list. And he was just like, what? Like, he was like, I want to come. And like, I feel like it was just like, like, and then all that I did was like, tell him that I didn't want him to come, that he was gross, that I like hated him. <laughs> and he pulled me aside and he was like, he was just like, I just want to tell you that I think you're like a very beautiful human being inside and out. And I'm very drawn to you. And I was like, oh my God, I landed it. Like I landed this by being me to this person all night. Like, <laughs> you're negging people. <laughs> right. Oh, I neg so hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not like, like not like in a not like in the weird right. pickup way, right. but just like let's be mean to each other in a fun way, right. kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. Like playfully mean. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It sounds. It sounds like. I. I. I really do feel like. Uh. I, I, every once in a while, I'll get like uh, somebody on the podcast, and I'm like, you are basically like. A, another version of me i feel like I, i'm really right. relating to a lot of what you're saying yeah um, oh, for sure because like i just yeah like I, I your your lifestyle appeals to me i think it's very fun and i feel yeah. like it's very sort of similar to like substitute dog walking for podcasting right and right. there you go well i remember like meeting you what was it it was last i mean not this summer but the summer before right. at rhap con and like i remember just being like oh like this per like i liked like ch like conversing with you i was like oh we have a lot we, we have a lot to talk about yeah. you know we have a lot in common yeah, yeah, and that's like like most of the like friends I have, or at least that I had in high school, uh, that I like will occasionally talk to. Like anytime we get together, it's just like, all right, so like the last two years in movies and music and TV, like let's let's go. Right, right. No, I truly do feel like I like there are many things that like 
I could like, like things that I'm not into that I could date someone that if they're into, like if I dated someone who's into sports, like I wouldn't love it, but like I can deal with it. Like for sure. It's like not a deal breaker. I feel like someone who doesn't know anything about pop culture for me is like a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. I feel like I like that is such a big facet of my life where I'm like, if you can't talk to me about it, what are we like, what are we supposed to talk about? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that I want to date someone who's into everything that I'm into. Cause I think we would actually get bored with each other. Yeah. But like, I, but I, I, I need someone who can at least talk to me about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I was, I've always like, uh, cause I, I played, I played video games a lot when I was a kid and I was always like, I want, I want somebody that's going to be able to play video games with me. That's going right. to be great. Uh, video games are actually one like pop culture area where I don't know anything about them. Like I know, I know like video games up until like 1998. Cause I played like super Nintendo and like Nintendo 64 mm-hmm. and like things like that as a kid. But like modern day video games, I don't know anything about. Well, I feel like that's that's fine because I feel like 1998 is when video games stopped being good. No, <laughs> at least around <laughs> that time period. I just don't like right. modern video games very much. Uh, yeah, they're just they're too weird. Like there's too right. many things going on. No, one of one of my roommates is like a gamer, like a G A Y M E R. Like he's gay and plays video games <laughs> yeah. all the time. And I feel like I just like will look at what he's playing and I'm like, oh, that does not interest me whatsoever. Like I don't I don't care. Like he'll he'll do like. RPG is that RPG? RPG? Am I using the right term? Like role yeah. playing game. He'll do that, and like I'm just like right, and I'm just like I don't. I'm not into this. I'm gonna go watch like American Vandal in my room. See, ya. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird, uh, and I I've, I like I feel like I've I've talked through like my weird relationship with video games uh, throughout the many podcasts, but it's just right. like because I loved them when I was a kid. I still do. I still have very fond memories of them. Uh, yeah. and I still have like the desire to play them, but then usually once I start playing them, I'm like, actually, like I, I will, I, there have been times where I've spent like two days, like, like setting up, uh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to play the elder scrolls for oblivion and I'm going to mod uh, it. I'm going to like set it up perfectly. I'm going to spend days getting it all nice and ready. And then boom, the third day I start playing half hour and I'm like, yeah, I guess that's enough. Right. <laughs> No, I remember when I was a kid, I used to get really excited when new game. Like when I remember when Donkey Kong Country came out, I was like completely obsessed with it to the point where I like I went. To, I was like, Mom, Dad, like I want to stay home and play Donkey Kong. Like, don't make me go to school. And they were like, You have to go to school. And I like I was always clever about like getting like figuring out ways to get out of school. And so I like just I was not sick at all, but I was like, I'm sick. And I like raised my hand. I went to the bathroom. I, did, I like stood in the bathroom for five minutes. Then went back to the classroom and I was like, I threw up. And my teacher was like, You did. Like I feel like my teacher even knew that I was like, lying, and she was like, You you threw up. I was like, yeah, I'm really sick. And so I feel like just like they had to send me home. And so my parents were like, oh, you, you threw up? Like there was no other reason why you wanted to come home. And I was like, well, yeah, I clearly wanted to come home and play Donkey Kong Country. Like, duh, that's what I'm home now for. And like, <laughs> well, that's the thing. But I like, I like upset. Like I would get so excited about them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like some of the most intensely high, happy experiences of my life are like, I cannot wait to get back to my house so that I can play more video games. And like right. that moment when it's like, there's like a half right. hour left in the school day. Like, here we go. I'm about to go back yeah. and play some Mass Effect. Like, uh, <laughs> like I just, I, I, can't, I can't relive that high anymore. Like, it's gone for right. me. That's how I am with movies. Like, I feel like I will get so, 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 so insanely excited for movies. Like, so far, for example, the Scream series is my favorite movie series of all time. And I was in grad school when Scream 4 was coming out. And it was like the end of grad school. So Scream 4 came out on April 11th. And or April, oh God, oh my God, my memory is faltering. It was either the 11th or the 15th, um, but whatever. And so I just, but it was like that week that it was coming out, I had my final, uh, I had my comprehensive exams for grad school, which basically comprehensive exams, instead of doing a thesis, we had seven questions that we had to answer for seven classes that we took during our master's program. And each question, we were in a room for an hour with a computer. I'm going to type up like a seven to 10 page response. So it was like 
70 to 100 pages of writing over the course of two days. And I just remember like not giving a shit. Like, yeah. like it's like basically it didn't, the comprehensive exams did not factor into your grades. Like you basically just had to pass them in order to get your master's. And so like you can either get a high pass or pass or a low pass. And even if you got all low passes, you still pass them. Like as long as you didn't get a fail, you know? And so I just basically did the bare minimum that I possibly could to get all low passes. And then like, I literally throughout the course of the week, while my comprehensive exams were going on, I was hosting a scream marathon every night in my apartment. Like on Tuesday or on, or yeah, on Tuesday, we watched scream one, Wednesday, scream two, Thursday, scream three, like all leading up to scream four on Friday. And like, I just, I prioritized scream four over like two years of work in my master's program. And I got my, I got my scores back. I literally got all low passes across the board. And I was like, worth it. Like, I care more about Scream 4 than this. I like, I remember like, I couldn't sleep the night before Scream 4 came out. I was so excited about it. You know, like, that's how I am with movies sometimes. I'll get like giddy, mm. you know? Yeah, I feel like, uh, like, I'll get really excited about something. But then if I don't watch it right away, then it's like, okay, now it's in my future and I never want it to leave my future. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Like, oh, I am not like that. It, I, I, I will for sure get out of the way. Well, because look at like, uh, and, and, and Dom and Colin give me shit about this, but uh, I started watching The Genius. I've watched okay. a season and a half and then uh, like Big Brother, I think it was Big Brother 17 started in earnest and I got too busy to like really give my attention to it. And now I'm just st sitting there at halfway through season two and it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I okay. love it, but I'm just like at some point I'm going to get back around to it, but it's still in my future. And it's not it's not in my past. So like at some point when I need the genius, it's going to be there for me. Okay. And so it's like, it's right. hard to be like, this is the moment. Cause it's like, this is, this no. moment isn't important enough. Right. But it's also like, it took me forever to watch the Godfather because like I was, okay. I loved IMDb. I was on IMDb all the time when I was a kid and top two fifty. it used to be the Godfather. I believe it's Shawshank Redemption now, but, um, I think, yeah, it's Shawshank Redemption. I think it was right. the, the dark Knight came and on un somehow like changed up the order. It used to be, uh, um, Godfather and then Shawshank, but then it switched around. Um, but so like the Godfather was like number one on the IMDb top two fifty, And I was like, that is the pinnacle of filmmaking. Film is my life. I, I right. can't, I can't like watch that and then have it in my past. I need to, I need to still have it in my future right. at some point. And then, yeah, I feel you. I actually, for being a film person, it took me a while to watch the Godfather too. I want to say I watched it like early college was the first time I ever watched it. And it's fantastic. Yes. Uh, anyway, speaking, yeah. speaking of scream, uh, I, I love scream too. I love horror stuff in general. Yeah. Um, and oh, me too. Horror is my favorite genre, but like, do you agree that it's a disappointing genre to love? Oh, because yeah. for every one good one, there are 10 terrible ones. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, like, I, I have two lists with horror. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, these are the okay. ones that I hope will be good and I'll pay full attention to. These are the ones that I expect will probably be uh, not very good. And I'll just right. have it on while I do other things. And then if it grabs me, awesome. If it doesn't, right. then, uh, you know. What are some of your favorites? Um, see, this is where uh, Tale of Two Sisters. It's a Korean movie. Okay. Uh, love, love, love that one. I mean, so I'll give you so some of my favorites. I, I mean, like I said, I love Scream. I really love uh, Rosemary's Baby, like from 1968. I think that that is like one of the most successful horror movies that like doesn't really show you anything and is still so horrifying. That's one of those movies that's um, been on my list for a really long time. Uh, I've been like waiting so to watch good. it. Um, I also really love Candyman. Um, let's see. And I love Candyman because it's got like such a rich Chicago history. It was shot like entirely on location at Cabrini Green, like which is like a very notorious housing project on Chicago's north side. Mm hmm. Um, what else do I love? Um, and I run Elm Street, obviously, is like one of my favorites. I think it's such a brilliant concept. Uh, I, Let the Right One In. Oh, I love Let the Right One In. Yeah. Oh, I love Drag Me to Hell. Yes. Drag Me to Hell is awesome as well. 
I think that movie is just so like bonkers. Like it's just so absurd and off the wall. It's just so fun. I love it so much. Yes. I'm I'm realizing as I'm looking at my top horror movies that most of them are uh Korean and or foreign in some way. Oh, okay. Uh Bedeviled. I really love Bedeviled, which is another uh Korean one, I believe. Right. I don't know. I've never seen that. Um Cabin in the Woods I loved as a like oh, a me meta too, me horror. Too. Um Audition. Uh, yeah. the host. Oh, love audition. Yes. Yeah, I've seen the host. The host is great. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know if you qualify this as horror, but it's listing it here. I saw the devil. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the autopsy. I actually of, like all of those. The autopsy of Jane Doe. Okay. I, okay. I thought like, I was so, so, so gripped by it for so much of it. And I was just like, oh my God, like, like this is going to give me such an amazing payoff. And I just feel like the payoff just wasn't, it, it didn't, it didn't jolt me like the rest of the movie did. Yeah. But I still, overall, I would recommend the movie. Like I liked it quite a bit. I, I saw it. There's a, there's a movie theater like right in my neighborhood called the music box. It's like very like old timey. I feel like it's what you would think of when you think of like, um, like the when like the kids in the movie, it like when they go to their like small town movie theater mm-hmm. and there's like, you know what I'm saying? That's like kind of what this movie theater looks like. And I'm obsessed with it. And it always will have like weird midnight, not even midnight at like nine o'clock on a Tuesday. It'll have like a weird horror movie playing. And that was one of them. And I just went into it, not knowing anything. And I like loved it. And then uh, the other one that, uh, well, the other one that I loved that was called the devil's candy. Oh yeah, that was um, I saw, that was one on my list, but I never got around to it this year. Yeah, I like that one a lot. So you should check that one out. It's quite good. Yes, um, I saw it comes at night this year. I really oh, enjoyed that. I one. did not love it comes at no. night. No, um, I I did not really. I was not I was not gripped by it comes at night. I was not very invested in the characters. It just wasn't what I wanted it to be. Like, yeah. I can recognize that it was a well-made movie, but I just didn't really, I did not really enjoy it. I liked I just I liked the concept. I like um, and there's another one. Um, yeah. I saw a trailer for it recently. Uh, a Quiet Place? Yes, yes. That reminded me a well, lot of it. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Get Out was obviously awesome. Did you like It Follows? It Follows. <laughs> that's, that's right Did you here. ever see that? Yes, uh, I like that one a lot. Yeah, me too. Me too. And uh, Martyrs is like a... Ooh, oh, yeah, my God. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's one of Very the... Very brutal. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Probably the... I, if I'm thinking about it, probably the most brutal movie I've watched. I think that the most brutal, did you ever see the green inferno? Like where like the act, like it was like a bunch of college activists who get stranded in the Amazon and like a tribe of like cannibals eats them. Oh, it can't. Um, is, is it called the green? Inferno? It's Eli Roth. Is it, um, yeah. is it like an homage to a uh, cannibal something? Yes, it is. Uh, uh, cannibal Holocaust. Yes, cannibal like, Holocaust, um, that's what it was. Uh, yeah. But no, it kind of is. And no, but there's like a scene in that. Like I remember that movie came out, I want to say two years ago in the theater and I went and saw it. And the first death, like, when the cannibals kill, like, the first American activist, like, I remember watching it, and, like, they legitimately, like, I mean, whatever, spoiler alert for the Green Inferno, but they, like, cut off all of his arms and legs, they rip his tongue out, they rip his eyes out, and, like, they, they literally the movie shows you everything. And I remember legitimately, like, I can handle so much. I see so many horror movies. In the theater, I remember consciously thinking, if every murder is going to be like that, I'm going to have to leave. Like, I was like, I can't, I cannot stomach that. Like, because there were, like, 10 more people that had to die. I was like, I cannot stomach that 10 more times. Yeah. And luckily, like, the movie knew what it was doing. It came out of the gates, like, swinging, and then it lightened up, like, for the rest. But, like, it was, I think that was the most gory, brutal horror movie scene I've ever seen. Or, that, or, did you ever see the remake of The Hills Have Eyes? Yes. So, the scene, I mean, I feel like that movie, give, it establishes the family. It's, like, a mother and a, da- a mother and a father and other kids. It gives you, like, 45 minutes of, like, character development for this family, and then it just kills half of them in, like, a 10-minute <laughs> scene where, like, I think that's a super brutal scene, too. Like, I remember watching that, and, like, my, like, stomach just dropped. It was horrible to watch, yeah. But, like, also in like a very thrilling way because nothing ever scares me. And so like it really scared me. And so I was like into it, you know? Yeah. Well, that was like right around, um, I was about 14 when it came out. Uh, so that was like right around the, my awakening of horror 
Um, right. And like that was like one of the big movies out at the time. And like talking about it on IMDb, that was like uh, everyone was talking about like The Hills Have Eyes. Um, so right. like when I think about it, it's one of the classics. I think it's one of the best. I think it's one of the best horror remakes ever made. I think it's like actually better than the original. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I ended up watching both. Um, but it's hard to remember now because I'm only 14. Um, right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like I, I used to go around on the IMDb forums and there were a bunch of like people that would like write these stories that you would uh, like play in. Like they, they were role playing mm-hmm. stories where like you'd write the story and then you'd give people who were playing in your story options that you would then... Like, they would choose their own adventure, essentially. Okay, okay. Um, And most of them were, like, horror. Like, it would be, like, The Hills Have Eyes. Like, be a character in The Hills Have Eyes. And um, I ended up writing, like, a a 150-page, like, novel (laughs) uh, that was, uh, in many ways, an homage to Scream. um, Okay. And uh, that that had, like, playable characters. Um, And that was one of the things that that made me want to, like, think, like, I could be a writer of movies. Right. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I loved all of it. Oh, no, I credit, I credit Scream with making me fall in love with horror movies. I'll never forget, like, watching the original Scream and being, like, my my mind was blown. Like, I loved it so, so, so much. It Well, actually, it's funny because um, the first time I watched it, I, I think it was before I fell in love with horror movies, um, and... I remember as a kid, I was like, this is so annoying. Like all of the tropes that they were like intentionally uh, like playing right. off of. I was like, these these things are so annoying. I like I didn't get it. And right, right. like I was like ranting about like these <laughs> these stupid tropes that Scream followed. <laughs> and then uh, then like I watched it uh, later, like once I got into to horror um, and I was like, oh, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> right. But like if you go back and research just like how it was marketed and stuff, I mean it's also fascinating. Like when the press came out and they really were like positing it, like Drew Barrymore was the star of the movie. And mm-hmm. so when audiences were going in, they were like not expecting what happened. Like I think that opening scene is maybe the best scene in horror history. Oh yeah. And like people just like were not expecting it to happen and it was so shocking. And the movie, like, I think it's opening weekend, it made like three million dollars. It made no money. But then the next weekend it made like seven million. Then it made fifteen million. And it was like a word of mouth hit. And it eventually made like a hundred million dollars because like People were like, oh, this is like, it like reinvented horror, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you wanted to, uh, to talk about? Oh my gosh. We've covered a lot. Yes. Like, we, we've covered a ton. <laughs> um, I feel like this has gone by, like, I just looked at my clock and we've been talking for like over an hour and a half, which is like shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, maybe we do need a, a movie podcast. Um, right. <laughs> uh but yeah th- this has been so great yeah no thank you i'm so flattered that you had me on this is what this was awesome yes uh I'm, I'm very happy to have had you on uh i you know i can't have a podcast about interviewing people from big brother and survivor and other reality shows without having you on uh so yeah. very happy that you're uh you're here well it's like crazy to be just a part of all of that because i was such a i was a fan i've been a fan of survivor since season one big brother since season three like to be like a part of that world is, is so is so like interesting, you know? Yeah, it's it's weird. Like uh, like even just like I was a fan of the podcast. I was a, I was a fan of these shows, right. and like it, like I never never would have thought that I'd be talking to a- Andy Heron for an hour and a half about movies. Oh, like I remember when, when I got when I got off, like and I was like doing interviews. Like, it, like they were like, oh, we've got Rob Sesternino on the phone. And I was like, what? Oh my god! <laughs> like you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so weird. It's so uh, it's like sometimes. Like when I stop to think about it, it's like this, this is totally not what I expected, but it's very cool. Right. 
Um, but yes, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can go to iTunes. It's the, the Taryn show. Um, you can also subscribe to, uh, the reality TV wrap ups. Um, you can find us on robhasawebsite.com. You can leave a comment there. You can find me on Twitter at Armstrong Taryn. Uh, Andy, how can people find you? Uh, just at Andy Heron, A-N-D-Y-H-E-R-E-N. My name. Yes. Pretty easy. If you want to yeah. uh, to hear about uh, dates and uh, movie takes and, yeah, and much more. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Dogs <laughs> that I walk. Like, yes, lots it. of dogs. You know what? Now, it makes a lot of sense because you, you tweet about dogs a lot. Um, yeah. Or at least one dog. Yeah. I have, I, I'm, a fav- I'm a favorites player. Like, if you follow me on Instagram, I usually put, like, a lot of them on my Instagram story. But, okay. like, I tweet about only my favorite one. <laughs> well. <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully they don't find out uh you were you were saying like none of the, none of my dogs are assholes and i was just picturing you going up to one of the owners and just being like uh excuse your me your dog is, is an asshole your dog uh, is a real asshole yeah <laughs> uh i i'm in i am in high demand and uh i'm just not gonna walk an asshole dog i'm sorry right i'm over this i quit <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh thank you again for coming on andy Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Uh, So thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Terrence asking questions. Terrence finding out. Terrence looking deeper. That's what it's all about. It's the Terrence Show. So you.